Myrtle Beach Pelicans Baseball and Abuelos Mexican Restaurant present the Pelicast. Join us as we dive into the in-depth stories of the Pelican players and coaches from their perspective. Now from the Abuelos Mexican Restaurant in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, here are your hosts, Zach Bigley and Noah Clunan. It is our pleasure to welcome you inside in Buelos Mexican Restaurant. It's the final Pelicast of the 2019 season. Alongside Noah Clunan, my name is Zach Bigley, and we're joined by infielder Luke Reynolds today. Luke, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Have you ever been inside Abuelo's Mexican Restaurant before? I have. I actually ate here once with my, my parents not too long ago. All right. There you go. It's a pretty good place yeah, for Mexican food. Well, we'd like to dive into players' careers here on this podcast, and we want to take it all the way back to when you were first growing up in Mississippi. What was life for you like growing up? Uh, well... I have two older brothers and two older cousins that live right beside me. So I was the baby out of all of those guys, and we just grew up competing in the backyard, playing backyard baseball and doing all kinds of stuff and all kinds of different sports. And, uh, yeah, I just grew up, you know, trying to fight to win. And uh, I think it, I credit all my, like, ath athletic ability to all those guys and, and my dad for sure. So. How competitive did you get having two older brothers and cousins that lived so close to you? How competitive were you guys? Literally every everything that we did, we made it into a game, <laughs> made it into a competition, like, and we still do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, super competitive. Uh, I hated to lose. That's where I got my – I hate to lose, and uh, I just love to win because I lost so much as a child because they're all, you know, way older than me. So I hated it, and uh, – yeah, so I credit my competitive nature to them, too. Do you remember your favorite thing that you guys would play? Uh, I mean, my favorite thing was, uh, you know, just backyard baseball. Like, we had uh, in my backyard, we had trees, like, set up perfectly for bases that we would just throw to. Like, if you hit the tree, you're out. And then uh, we had a fence that wasn't too far away, and we'd play tennis balls, and we'd hit from both sides of the plate, you know, and uh, we had a – a big old white shed in right field that we would call the white monster. So <laughs> if you hit over that, it was like two points. So, yeah. Now, growing up, obviously, in Mississippi, baseball culture is, is very big, especially at the collegiate level there. When yeah. did you first know you wanted to play baseball? Well, um, I'd say probably my in the, at, after the end of my junior year in, uh, of high school. Um, I, mean, I, think, I, th I think I just played it for fun uh, the first couple of years. I mean, I didn't really play too much travel ball. Uh, I did a little bit, but not not nearly enough like everybody else does. But um, I focused on a lot of different other sports, too. I played football, tennis, and soccer. And never played – I played basketball in seventh, eighth grade, but I didn't play it in high school. So, I mean, I played just a bunch of other sports. And, um, yeah, so I'd say at the end of my junior year is when I, I figured, like, hey, I was, I was pretty good at baseball, so I could probably – pursue this now basketball and football are sports that you hear a lot of people playing but tennis is more a little bit more unique what yeah. was your experience like in tennis so uh my dad is a huge tennis player um he actually i, got, I think he's like a little uh, tennis legend in our uh, hometown because he he got the tennis program started at my high school when he was like a freshman in high school he like petitioned and got it started and so he's he's grown up playing tennis and uh 
I played them all the time growing up, and I I considered myself, you know, pretty good in my junior year and senior year, and I've played him, you know, countless times, and I've probably only beat him like three times. <laughs> he's 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 really good, and he's he's still good today. So I have trouble beating him now. When's the last time you picked up a racket? Oh, probably four years. Really? Yeah, I hadn't played in a while, but uh, well, three or four years. But, yeah, I've played when we go on vacation every once in a while. We bring our clubs and just hit around, but nothing, like, serious. So I'd love to. Actually, I was thinking about that this this uh, season, go back in the off season and play a little bit. So There you go. The, the big debate in tennis is always Rafael Nadal versus mm -hmm. Roger Federer. Do you have a preference? I've always loved uh, Roger Federer. My brother, uh, Nathan Reynolds, my middle brother, always has always loved uh, Nadal. So we kind of <laughs> go back and forth with that. But I would say Roger Federer. They're both very fun to watch. Yeah, they're sure. both very fun to watch. Yeah. Well, I say Nadal always wins on clay because he's the, the most athletic and super fast. But uh, Federer is, like, technical. I like it. Yeah, he has the fun shots, too, between the leg shots yeah, and all exactly. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done that? I have, but uh, I couldn't do it in the game. I couldn't <laughs> do it in a real match. <laughs> wouldn't be able to bring that out. Uh, Mississippi State was where you first went to school. Did you grow up a Mississippi State fan initially, growing yes. up in that area? Yeah, I grew up uh, a diehard Mississippi State fan. My my whole family is going to Mississippi State. And uh, so, actually, my freshman year, I went to Heinz Community College, and I was the first person, you know, not to go straight to Mississippi State out of my family. And so, yeah, I grew up a huge Mississippi State fan. And, uh, yeah, still I am. So, still I am uh, a big old, you know, Mississippi State football fan, that's for sure. What do you remember about your time at Heinz Community College? Everybody's got their junior college story that they always go back to. What's yours? Oh, man, just the dorms. We, uh, The whole team stayed on the second floor of our, our dormitory, and, uh, man, we would just prank each other every <laughs> single day. And I remember one day uh, trying to go to class. I had an 8 a.m. class, and my buddy that night, I guess, I mean, late that night, he tied a rope from my door and the door across from us. <laughs> and because the only way you get out is you pull it in. And, I mean, we both actually, the guy on the next, like across the hall from me had 8 a.m. So we were both tugging on the door and couldn't get out. And so we missed that when we got in trouble with the coach. But <laughs> So the whole team was on one floor? The whole team was on that one, on second floor. That it sounds was, like a nightmare. It was, it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was. Every night. How do you describe Mississippi State football to somebody who's never experienced it? You have to come experience it. Uh, the the cowbells are – I'm used to it now, but I know it, anybody that's come for the first time, they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't take it. But, uh, yeah, I think the atmosphere is is second to none, really, uh, in a big you know in a big SEC game. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to going back and uh, watching some football. On the baseball side of things, we've talked to a lot of SEC guys this year. Alex Lang and Ryan Lawler were both mm -hmm. on this podcast talking about how Mississippi State fans are absolutely crazy, and they come up with great ways of trash-talking players and heckling and that kind of thing. What was your experience playing with them like? Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're good fans. They're really good fans about, um, you know, cheering on both teams. Like if the opposing team does something good, they respect it and uh, – they're really good about you know picking you up too if you're if you're uh, struggling. So uh, I remember one one game I think we were playing Cincinnati maybe I can't remember I think it was Cincinnati but their right fielder 
I guess like in the, in between half innings, he went out there and they gave him uh, you know some sausage and stuff, and they he had it in his glove, <laughs> and somebody hit it right over his head in right field, and he starts running back and he has sausage. He had to move. He had it in his hand. He was eating. He had to move it to his glove, and run over there. Had sausage in his glove. Picked it up with his hand. Threw it into the infield. <laughs> so, yeah, they're they're good fans though. Sure. That's awesome. Well, there's. Obviously, a lot of great players that you played in the SEC, and you actually had a run-in with Alex Lang, who's mm -hmm. obviously now in the Detroit Tigers organization. But he told that story about a wild game that you guys played yeah. that they barely hung on to win by the skin of their teeth. Do you remember that game? I do. I do. I, I was on second base, actually, when it was when it got crazy. But, uh, yeah, so our, our guy, one of my best friends, Reed Humphreys, he was in my wedding. He, he hit a um, – a ball off the center field wall, almost went out. Nobody really hits it out over the batter's eye of Mississippi State. It's like impossible. And so he hit it right off the top of the wall. I scored, and the guy behind me on first was rounding third uh, and, like, tripped over the bag and ended up, you know, uh, dislocating his shoulder and got in a rundown and got out. And then the next play, Brent Rooker was up. Reed was on second. He hits it through the sixth hole. I think, yeah, Alex Bregman goes and makes this, comes out of nowhere and makes this play and dives and catches it so Reed can't score. And they end up getting out of the jam. I mean, yeah, so then they came back and they won that next inning. So, yeah. Is that one of the crazier games that you have experienced in your entire playing career? Yeah, I think so. Especially, like, what was on the line. We really needed that, that series. And, uh, yeah, if we would have won that game, we would have won the series because we won the, get the next game. And, uh, yeah, that would have probably put us in the SEC tournament that year. So, yeah, that was a big game. And, yeah, it was probably one of the craziest finishes I think I've ever been a part of. You mentioned Alex Bregman. How, where does he rank in terms of guys that impress you you played against in the SEC? Oh, he's right up there uh, for sure. I mean, yeah, that, that's the one that really pops out of me. In, in my mind, like in college when I was at Mississippi State, was he was probably definitely one of the better pitchers that I faced. His curveball was unbelievable. He had command of all of three pitches, and yeah, so we we had a time facing him. But uh, yeah, I'd say he ranks right up there for sure. Now you actually had a run-in with Delvin Zinn. You ended up both being there in fall ball in Mississippi State, and then you, you ended up both leaving that year. But yeah. what was your interaction with Delvin Zinn back there in college? I mean, yeah, he, he's a very athletic guy. I just remember him uh, being very toolsy. And, uh, yeah, I didn't – We uh, he was a freshman and I was a junior that year. So I was living off off campus. He was living on campus. So I'd really only see him basically at the field. So, yeah, but I just remember he's just a great guy. He always has high energy. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was good to – meet them then and uh it's kind of crazy to see that we're playing together now so you had kind of a, an unfortunate falling out with mississippi state what was the decision to leave mississippi state and transfer to southern miss uh well i was yeah i was going to play my junior year um day before the season got caught in um you know i was wanting to they were wanting to redshirt me and then uh I was supposed to get, like, I was asked about my scholarship, and, you know, they weren't going to grant that scholarship to me anymore. And so that was the decision right then and there. It was just, like, I was going to move on and go somewhere else that, you know, has a little bit more value in me and that really wants me to be there and uh, that I can trust as well. So, 
I mean, yeah, I think it all worked out. I mean, Southern Miss is the one of the greatest times of my life, and the coaching staff and the the organization, how they run that program is second to none. And, uh, yeah, so I'm forever a, a Golden Eagle, that's for sure, especially on the baseball field. How did you know that Southern Miss was the spot that you were going to be next? Uh, so Coach Kai and, and Coach Barry both reached out. And, uh, you know, it's only like an hour 15 from my house. And so I actually I wanted to stay stay close to home and uh, – I was trying to figure out if I wanted to do that or the D2 route because I knew I'd get to play right away at D2. And, uh, but the D2 was Delta State, and it was, uh, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> nothing knock on them that have a, a spectacular program. But I just didn't really want to go to the Delta. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to stay in, like, you know, super, like, competitive baseball and go back and have a chance to make it to the College World Series and go to a regional and stuff like that. And so – I mean, just the, that blue-collar program they, they, they run at Southern Miss is what I want, and that's what I thrived in at, at, at Heinz Community College. So I'm a big believer in just, like, earning what you got. And, um, yeah, so that's what that's what Coach Kai and uh, Scott Berry, you know, preached to me, and that's why I, I fell in love with it. Because you had to transfer, obviously you had to sit out a year to the NCAA rules. There are so many different stories of guys taking advantage of that redshirt year. What were you able to pull out of that redshirt year on the baseball diamond? Uh, a lot, man. I, I felt like I was basically a coach there that, that year I sat out. I was I dressed up like a coach. I had the pants on <laughs> and I had like the, uh, you know, the BP top on, just like the coaches. And uh, I was right there in the dugout, you know, just – talking to the guys about to go hit and and uh just you know studying the pitches and and just being on the outside looking in was um pretty uh, it, pretty good to to be a part of so it, yeah I think it, it helped me a lot to be honest so I was thankful for that to be honest. Did it give you a deeper appreciation for the game of baseball, knowing that you're there on a daily basis but at the end of the day you don't get to go out and play in the actual game? Yeah, well, that yeah, that definitely sucked because I was, um, I did everything. I I practiced, lifted weights, uh, did everything except just just not play. So yeah, that was definitely tough. But uh, yeah, I think it did give me a, a greater appreciation just to, you know, never take a day for granted. That's for sure. And uh, it, yeah, it gave me that that itch and that that love again just to be out there and play every day for sure. And then the next year, you tore the cover off the ball offensively. You're third-team All-American. What was that season like for you offensively especially? Uh, it was probably the greatest, you know, baseball season I think I've ever had. And, uh, yeah, so it was it was great. I mean, um, we had a really good team. Uh, and Coach Kaye was just, you know, he, he was very good about hit your mental, like your hitting approach. He didn't really do much with my swing or anything like that. It was just, you know, he got me the right mindset going up to the plate and being ready to attack fastballs. And, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty fun, pretty fun. At what point did you start thinking about playing at the next level during that season? Um, I knew it would be a possibility. But, uh, you know, I didn't know, like, what type of money I'd get or, like, what type of round I'd go in just because of my age and stuff. So, I was I thought about it but I was also 
I was thinking about, you know, you know, if it's not right, if it if it's if it's not worth it, then I would probably I'd probably would have gone back this year if uh, if it wasn't worth it and or it wasn't you know enough. So just because I love Southern Miss enough, so much, I honestly was like, I don't know if it is really a possibility because of my age and whatever. So I'm glad it all worked out. When you first got drafted, do you remember where you were on draft day? Yes, I was uh, at our house in uh, Hattiesburg with my then fiance and. Uh, my brother and his wife, and we were just watching it on the TV upstairs. And I, but that day was was crazy. I felt like I was up from eight to, I mean, late that night, <laughs> just on the on the phone. And uh, yeah, so that was a hectic day. But yeah, it was pretty cool to see it all pay off. You know, when the Cubs drafted me. When your name popped up on the screen, what was your reaction? Uh, it was. I mean, it was surreal. Um, I just tried to soak it in. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have words for it because, you know, you worked for it. I worked for it my whole life, even playing backyard baseball and competing just to make it to the professional level. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was really, really cool to see that payoff. Did you know that when you got drafted that you were going to sign immediately? Or how did the process in your head look like when you were deciding whether to sign or head back to Southern Miss? Uh, yeah, so when I, th I knew I was going to sign, uh, immediately from talking with them and, uh, yeah, so I didn't really know how that draft process, all that stuff worked, but, uh, so I kind of just went through it, you know, like at, just on the fly basically. And, uh, yeah, so I was super pumped and thrilled to, to be able to sign with the Cubs. Every player seems like has their moment where they're like, wow, I'm in professional baseball, where they meet somebody or they play against somebody. Did you have a moment like that? Uh, yeah, I think I I think I think got it uh, last year when we were playing Everett uh, and Robinson Cano. We were playing against him for three games. And just to see, like, his his how, how much better he was than, like, everybody <laughs> else on the field, it was – it was amazing to see, and uh, I remember just being like, "That's the one of the best players in the world," and and I'm playing on the field with him, so it was like, it was pretty cool to say like, "Yeah, I'm I'm a professional now," you know. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to see that. And then same thing with Ben Zobers being here this year, just seeing how he goes about his business and how he can hit a fastball up and away as a lefty and hit it out of the deepest part part of the ballpark here at Myrtle was unbelievable <laughs> and so yeah it's pretty cool to see the best players in the in the world you know do their thing Ben Zobris got a chance to chat with the team while he was here what did you take away from not only just having him here but getting a chance to talk with him and kind of glean from him what it takes to be a big leaguer uh just his the work ethic and uh just never giving up you know because he he almost thought about not playing and uh I think he got drafted in the sixth round and he went uh, like a, to a tryout, and uh, so I mean he was never like a like a top prospect. He said, and uh, but he just worked, and and uh, you know his his stats were good enough. And they pushed him through, and uh, but yeah, so just to just to know that you know your age doesn't matter. It's not. It's nothing about you know your draft how high you're drafted. It's about the opportunity. 
and uh, how you uh, take advantage of it. We talked a lot about how he is the perfect guy to rehab here at this level for you guys personally because yeah. he is an incredible story you mentioned. He came up, it was never a top prospect. He was a shortstop and then kind of moved around. And he's played every position except for pitcher and catcher in the big leagues now, and he's made himself available in any possible way. Yeah. How much is that kind of an inspiration for you just to be able to see, hey, this guy's playing in our clubhouse now, and he was the World Series MVP in 2016? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's I took a lot of from from just being how versatile he is and just – being how like seeing how willing he is, he doesn't care what he's doing. But if it's to help the team and it's to, if he's getting on the field that way, then he's gonna prepare his best at that spot. And you know, he like during BP, he would jump from second to short, and then like he, even, I think he took some in the outfield. You know, just to get live reads and stuff. So yeah, I mean, he was just seeing how he prepared and he took care of his body and the. Uh, in the locker room and all that stuff in the training room. But, yeah, and another th cool thing was when he was dh and you know, normally when we DH, we just sit in the dugout, and after we get done hitting, you you know, you stretch and you kind of jog a little bit. But he would, after he get done, after half inning, he would run down to the training room, roll out and do all that stuff and run back when he's, you know, supposed to hit. And so it was just cool to see, like, he takes pride in his body and his – uh you know, his work ethic. So. Well, and you're 38. You kind of have to at that point. <laughs> right. That is true. That is true. <laughs> well, sure. back to your time playing in Eugene, you got a, to be a part of a championship team, which is obviously what everyone wants to do at every level. Kind of a, an interesting season with you guys in Eugene, but what was it like just to play with that team at that level and, you know, ultimately end up on top? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I'd say when the second half, you know, started after the All-Star break there in Eugene, um, it kind of felt like a – a college feel to it. Everybody was like, you know, we're almost to the playoffs. If we're gonna make, it, if we're gonna make it to the playoffs, then we might as well win it. And it was all about, you know, the team and and winning and uh, at, at all costs, really. So it was really fun to, you know, be a part of. And that we drew, we drew pretty big crowds there in Eugene. So it was fun to be in that atmosphere. And uh, yeah, the the group of guys were really close. Uh, we're still, we still are. We still keep in touch and. Even if they're in South Bend and we're here, and or in Eugene, it doesn't matter. We still we still keep in touch, and so it was it was pretty neat. You talk about crazy endings to a game. Yeah. In the championship game, you wanted to walk off Bach. <laughs> what yeah. was what was that like? <laughs> Never seen that before. So, yeah, I was on I was on deck, and uh, I think Nelson Velasquez's uh, his uh, reaction was basically everybody. <laughs> and so when he balked, you know, Nelson was just like, look back at the umpire and. The, he saw that he called Balk and he just threw his hands up in here. He's like, "What in the world just happened?" So, yeah, it was like a a small delay there because everyone was like, "What? What just happened?" And then we just you know ran out there. It was it was, it was pretty cool. You know what's crazy? The pitcher, Class A, who balked, he's now up in the big leagues. Now with the Rangers. in the big leagues. Yep, I mean we faced him this year. Yeah. I mean he's throwing he's throwing a, a hundred mile an hour cut, uh, cutters now. <laughs> so he was basically doing that in the end, but. I'm glad he balled. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Uh, your first major league spring training this past year. What was that like? Or just being in that atmosphere? Yeah, it was. That was pretty cool. Um, just the everyday grind of knowing where you had to be, and you know, uh, just the yeah, you, know, you had all this hands-on coaching and. So it was really cool to to be a part of that and, you know, pick a lot of different people's brains. They didn't just put you with one person. You were, like, 
with a lot of other people. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool to just, you know, see the big leaguers in the in the weight room and uh, in the training room. You can see them. And uh, just how they were, you know, going about their business and going about their cage work and all that stuff, it was pretty cool to see. And then, you know, you have live BP is against them. And so, yeah, that's that was another cool thing to see. Like, I'm a professional now. It's like spring training is really – that's where you really get that mindset too. Is there anybody at the big league level that you met in spring training that really left an impact on you? I didn't really have too much contact with the uh, with the big leaguers, but uh, no, I can't really say that I I had to, like I didn't really talk to anybody like any big leaguers, so I can't say that. But it was just it was just cool to be around them, and uh, you know, yeah. So, are there guys in your bucket list that you want to meet this next spring training? Uh yeah, I mean, oh actually I'll say, and you know Anthony Rizzo did uh, speak to us at spring training, so it was cool to to hear what he had to say, and uh, he's a super nice guy and uh, just super down to earth, and so yeah, I'd say Anthony Rizzo, and then you know obviously Javi Baez, and how I mean he's a superstar, and Chris Bryant too, so just like yeah, I mean if they're the superstars in, at the MLB, I mean. They're doing something different than everybody else. So, yeah, it'd be cool to, you know, see how they're not just relying on talent, you know. So it's cool to it's cool to see that. When you are all said and done with baseball, and obviously hopefully that's a long ways away from now, mm-hmm. but how are you going to look back in your first couple of years here in minor league baseball and your experience in college as well? Uh, just that I left I left no regrets and left it all on the field. Uh, that's how I want to I want to leave it and. Uh, that I want to reach my full potential uh, and that I took, you know, I try to win each day, win each pitch. And, uh, yeah, and then just how I have an impact on the on the on on my teammates and uh, just what they what they view me as. And, um, yeah, so just uh, just trying to be the, the best guy that I can be. And, uh, yeah, so just taking it day by day. Do you mention when you were redshirting at Southern Miss, you were kind of a coach. Do you see yourself staying in the game as a coach when it's all said and done? I don't know. Uh, I've thought about that. I don't. I won't picture myself as a coach, but I could definitely see, uh, you know, just helping out on the side and or whatever I'm doing and, uh, you know, still giving lessons or whatever, you know, just to – still make an impact you know in my hometown and or wherever that might be away from baseball you got married in the off season your, yeah. your new wife Rihanna how has how has married life been treating you oh it's been awesome uh I mean I couldn't ask for a better wife especially you know through this time and just the season um that's what we were talking about last night I you know I always tell her hey it's gonna fly by it's gonna fly by trying to make her <laughs> you know her spirits lift up but she was like you lied. This season has not flown by. <laughs> but, man, she's been a trooper. Um, I'll tell you, one time in South Bend uh, last month, she came up for a weekend because she had, a, you know, a little longer break or like a four-day weekend for uh, from classes. And so she flew up, and her flight got delayed nine times in Charlotte. Oh, man. And, oh then, and then eventually canceled. And so she had to get a flight early that morning the next morning and it flew to indianapolis with like two older 
like an older couple. <laughs> and so they flew to Indianapolis, and the that couple was from South Bend. So they just rented a car, and she got to know them. And so she rode with them to South Bend from wow. Indianapolis. That's awesome. And so we spent a, we only got to spend like a full day together, and then the next morning she was gone. But uh, yeah, I'm just. I mean, I couldn't do that. I don't know how <laughs> she did that. So, yeah, so hats off to her, you know. So that's I'm pretty, blessed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. How did you guys meet originally? We met at a church camp in, in eighth grade. I was in eighth grade. She was in seventh grade. It was actually in, I think it was actually in South Carolina when we met. And so, yeah, so I'm from the central part of Mississippi. She's from the coast. And uh, so after that, it was just like, you know, and I thought that was just like we just met, you know, that was it. I, you know, I followed her on Facebook and stuff, but when I went to uh, Mississippi State, she was she went to Ole Miss, and we kind of I met one of her mutual friends uh, at Mississippi State, and I was just like, hey, you need to, you know, put a good word in. For me. <laughs> I was like, you know, meet us up, and then um, it went from there, really. So wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and now you never know, and she's still in school, right? Yeah, she, she's in uh, grad school right now for uh, speech pathology. Very cool, very cool. Well, at the end of all these podcasts, we always hit you with some rapid fire. All right. So just kind of pick your brain a little bit on some stuff. So we talked about Mississippi State and how much you love football games there. What is on your bucket list in terms of all sports when it comes to, I want to go to this game, this game, this game? I want to go to a Super Bowl, and I want to go to an Olympics one day. Oh, cool. wow. So. Summer yeah. or winter? Summer. What I'm event? Summer. What event do you really want to see at the Olympics? Just the probably the 100 meter in track. Just I want to see the fastest guys in the world <laughs> go at it. So, it only lasts like what, 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right. That and and I do want to watch the swimming uh, events. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with all your teammates that you've had all season long, if you're stranded on a desert island, who do you pick to survive? Mm, let's see. All my teammates. We've had some varied answers this year. I think everyone's been different. Yeah, I don't think we've had two guys the same. And for a lot of different reasons, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'd probably say uh, Ryan Kellogg because he's from, you know, Canada. <laughs> I feel like he's... You know, he's probably grinded out some long winters <laughs> and some crazy wilderness stuff. And I mean, he's got the he's got the beard going now. He said he's going to grow his hair back out. Okay. All right. And so, yeah, I think he knows how to survive. We've so. had Jesus Camargo as an answer because at least he'll make me laugh. Yep. That was one of the answers. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> we had Tyler Payne. Because that's a good one. West Virginia, West Virginia, knows some of that stuff. exactly. Yeah, yeah that's good. so that's a new one though. Ryan Kellogg. Yeah. I think yeah. he had Manny Rodriguez once. I think he's so. Strong, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and intimidating. Yeah, yeah. And intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So this has been a hot topic in the clubhouse all year long. There's a couple of guys that played a lot of basketball when they were younger and into high school and had offers to go play in college. Yeah. If you have to pick a basketball team out of this team, who is your number one overall pick? I'd have to say Kevontae Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, I think that go. one's like probably everybody's answer. Uh, just because he can dunk and he can shoot and he's big. And he can <laughs> just go down down to the paint and do whatever he wants to. So, yeah, we actually played uh, at a, 
when we were uh, working out on the road this past in Potomac, there was a basketball court and we were playing. So, yeah, he was pretty good. He was dunking all over the place. So. Was Hudson back at that point yet? Ah, I forgot Because he Hudson. can play. Yeah, he can play. Yeah. I'd have to put them. Delvin's put them Six, eight Delvin, eight I know Delvin's really good. good. Delvin's good for sure. Probably put together a pretty good basketball team with yeah. this year's Pelican squad. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Stick Erling Moreno down to the post. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mess too. with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think uh, – I think I'd say Cavante because he had some good offers too. I think for for basketball. Yeah, that, I mean you really can't go wrong with yeah. all those guys. Right. Not too bad. Right. Are you a bubblegum guy or a sunflower seed guy? Bubblegum. Uh, not really. I wasn't really anything until I got to pro ball, uh, and then they just had bubblegum right there, and you know, <laughs> a huge bucket of it in the in the dugout. So I was like, might as well just start <laughs> eating it. So now I eat it like I have two two pieces in my mouth every time I go out to the field and play. So. There you go. Chris yeah. Doyle makes some pretty good shakes, the nutritionist yes. for you guys. What's your go-to shake? I don't know if we have a name for it, but it's it's like an orange peach type deal. I don't even know <laughs> what it is, okay. but it's it's really good. I told him I told him I have a trouble eating ice cream. You know, when I go back home and I, I see, like, cookout or something, I have trouble stopping by and getting some ice cream. And so I was like, I need something that's healthy, but still kind of tastes like ice cream. <laughs> and so that's what he came up with. So I get it after every game. So I don't have to really stop and get ice cream anymore. There you it's go. the Luke Reynolds shake. Yeah. We're going to call it yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. You mentioned cookout. What's your go-to at cookout? Oh, just the cookout tray with the, the burger, the the honey mustard chicken wrap. Oh, my and then the chicken quesadilla. Got to get the quesadilla. Oh. Got to get the quesadilla. Anywhere you can get a quesadilla as a side. God, yeah. I remember my <laughs> yeah, first. It's only $5. Oh, my first cookout, I was, you know, I came in kind of hungry, hungry, but it's like, uh -huh. it's so much food. Yes. It's crazy. It really is. It's crazy, and it's only $5. It blows my mind. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best college meal ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's coma food, sure. though. You can't, yeah. you can't do anything after you eat there. <laughs> That's true. That <laughs> you're, just, true. you're just done. That is true. So recently at the ballpark, one of the big things has been the knocker ball challenge. It's yeah. been big all season. We had the knocker ball tournament of champions. I got two questions for you on this topic. First of all, Steve LaRude and Osmin Melendez, who wins? Steve LaRude. Just because, <laughs> oh, gets on my nerves. <laughs> he he knows what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, I'd be pulling for Steve. All right, all right. And if you had to face anybody on the team, who would you want to face? Oh, okay. Um, we're not I'd talking about someone you can just absolutely destroy. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was thinking like Beth McCord. Yeah, or we're not like thinking about that. <laughs> who do you uh, think would be a good matchup that you would you would be very proud of beating? Cam. Cam Blake. Right. Ooh, I, would, I think that would be a good matchup. Good matchup. Yeah, you're a little taller. Yeah. He's probably got He's a, got that yeah. stocky build. Yeah. He's strong. Yeah. I think I could put him down, though. Okay. All right. Wow. All right. Fighting words. Right <laughs> wow. You know, I want to see Early Moreno and Brian Hudson go at it. That's a good one. That's, that that's a, a lot of girth. That's a lot of girth. Brian Hudson good. might be a little too tall. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Early Moreno has the that's pounds That's some leverage, on. though. If that's he gets true. low, he's, he's true. got some leverage. Because you did them in college, right? You did knocker balls in college? Yeah, but I didn't do the – you know, the head-on, we just did it, you know, playing soccer. We played soccer with them. <laughs> oh, so that's pretty That's fun. awesome. We still hit each other, but it wasn't, like, head-on, you know. <laughs> so We wanted to see LaRude and Osmin from their coaching boxes put them on and just meet in the middle, <laughs> meet on the mound. <laughs> uh, uh, Osmin would probably be late to the mound. <laughs> They'd slow. end up halfway to first instead of at the mound. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <That was> slow. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up here for our last Pelicast of the 2019 season. We're going to enjoy some Mexican food for Noah Clunan. I'm Zach Bigley. He's Luke Reynolds. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. All right. We will finish out the season, and we can't wait. Pelicans in a playoff push. Thanks for joining us all season long here on the Pelicast.